Hello, everybody. Good after, actually, good night. Um, I'm going to try something different here tonight. Um, I'm actually going to read you. I'm going to, I thought of this the other day when I was at the gym. Um, so there's this book um, called Cruel Sacrifice uh, by an author named Aphrodite Jones. Um, it is about a group of girls that basically decide to murder another girl because, well, you'll see. But, um, so every week I'm going to read you, you know, a, ch a chapter or two. Um, but, so, Cruel Sacrifice, chapter one. Here we go. It's going to be a very busy and hectic weekend over at the Shar House. Steve and his father-in-law, his dad, and a few other relatives staying over to help take a wall down in the living room to enlarge the space. On top of that, there was his wife, Sharon, his stepdaughter, Sandy, and his daughter, Sandra, all crowded into the tiny house. It wasn't too long after Hope and Tony left when the phone rang. It was a neighborhood girl who invited Sandra to a party. Even though he was hesitant about letting his little girl stay out late, Steve agreed to let Sandra go, provided she'd be home by 10.30. He reminded her that they were going to be tearing down that wall down early the next morning and he needed her help. It was after 11.15 p.m. when she waltzed through the door and she and her friend Michelle with her. Chandra asked if she could stay over. Look, we're going to be crowded for space, Steve insisted. Please, Dad? No. Steve called the girl's mother and raged for her to pick up Michelle. A few minutes later, he decided it was he was too tired to wait for the woman to arrive. He told the girls there was some pizza in the kitchen and said they could watch TV for 30 minutes, then he turned in. They must have watched until almost midnight, and Steve finally came out of his bedroom. Cool it! Turn it off! Let's hit it! He told them, meaning it was time for lights out. For Steve, that was it for the night. He fell asleep and never heard the door close when Michelle left. Across the bridge over in Louisville, Melinda and Lori decided they had enough of the concert. When they came out of the skate park and found Hope and Tony making out with some guys in the car, they figured it was a good time to use the nearby payphone to make a few calls. They were gone a good long while. They called Chandra's house a few times, but all they got was the answering machine. They called Amanda, too. When they returned to the car, Tony was waiting outside. Hope was still in the car with Brandon, so the gr three girls went next door to Long John Silver's to use the restroom and kill some time. Once Brandon was gone, Hope got in the car. Hope got the car started, and Melinda told her to drive back to Sandra's. But on the way out of Louisville, Hope got confused and was driving in the wrong direction, heading toward Tennessee. While they circled the interstates, Melinda discussed her plans. God, I can't wait to kill her, Melinda shrieked with glee. She mentioned the knife and explained that she intended to tease Sandra with it. She thought sh she said she thought Sandra was cute, that she'd like to have sex with Sandra, that she was going to run the knife up and down her stomach and play with her. It took them a while to figure out the interstates, but they finally made it back to Sandra's. Melinda wanted Hope and Tony to go to the front door because Tony, but Tony was refusing. No one could persuade her. Even Hope tried to get Tony to go. But she said it was too cold out and that she was freezing. Melinda couldn't go herself because if Sandra saw her, she'd get scared. Melinda had threatened her many times. She was not a face San 
Sandra wanted to see at 12.30 a.m. Eventually, Hope and Lori agreed to go. Agreed to go. Melinda got on the floorboard of the back seat. Before she got out of the car, Lori helped her cover Melinda with a red blanket and handed her the knife. She and Hope went up the driveway and disappeared behind Sandra's house. As the two girls got around the corner, they saw some guy coming out of Sandra's house, a young guy. He was saying goodbye to Sandra. They ducked behind Sandra's garage for a minute. They knew the guy probably saw them out of the corner of his eye, but he took off in his truck just seconds later. They were nervous about approaching the side door, but Sandra made it easy for them. She was right there waiting. Hi, are you going to go with us? Hope wanted to know. Sandra seemed glad to see them. Lori was a new face, but Sandra wasn't concerned about it. She just wanted to hear that Hope had wanted to hear what Hope had to say about Amanda. Hope told her that Amanda was waiting for her at the witch's castle. Amanda wanted her to come out. The three talked for about five minutes. Hope was having trouble convincing Sandra that she could go along. Sandra said she didn't have the right clothes on, so Hope volunteered to go inside with her and help her pick out something to change into. And Lori went back to the other girls. Standing out near the car, Lori opened the back door, reached in the back seat, and adjusted the blanket over Melinda. She added a few items of clothing and some fast food bags on top to camouflage her further. Hope's bringing her, Lori said, quick, quietly as she adjusted the blanket one last time. Before they knew it, Hope and Sandra had came bouncing towards the car. Lori told Tony to get out of the passenger's side to let Sandra in the middle. Where's Amanda? Sandra asked as she sandwiched herself between Hope and Tony. At the witch's castle, Lori said, reassuring with a reassuring voice. What's she wearing? Does she look cute? Chandra asked. Having met Amanda once before, Hope knew enough to make up an outfit that would fit Amanda's style perfectly. Loose, baggy shorts, baseball cap, basically a skater look. By then, the, the car was rolling and they were on their way to Ukiah, to the castle. It's a place better known to Ukiah residents as Mistletoe Falls because of the mistletoe on the property. Once a nice home, today it's just, a stone, it's just the stone remains. Even in the daylight, sitting in the wood, wooded hillside in an isolated spot that faces the Ohio River. The place is spooky and it's... Uh, serpentine walls, footbridges, and burned-out fireplace. To the girls, it seemed even more ominous that night. Legend surrounding the castle says that it was once inhibited by nine witches who controlled the town. It had been burned by the townsfolk who tried to destroy the witches. At least, that is the legend that Lori believed, and she was eager to talk about it with others. In fact, Lori had taken Tony and Hope up to see it just the day before. It was one of the stops they made on the ride down to Melinda's. Lori had been going up there for some time. She had taken Melinda and Amanda up there too. Lori, so Lori showed them what she called the mausoleum, where she believed the nine witches were buried. She also so, so showed them the dungeon, an altar-like place where it was inscription that said something about death. She told them she felt the presence of witches there. Twisting through the county roads towards Ukiah, Hope engaged Sandra in further discussion about Amanda. It was a discussion that she knew would cause trouble. Do you know Melinda? Hope asked. Yeah. 
Do you know that Amanda and Melinda broke up? Well, I think me and Amanda have been going together for about four months, Sandra said proudly. In the back seat, Lori tapped Melinda under the blanket, giving her the signal to appear. With that, Melinda jumped up and pulled Sandra's hair back and put the knife to her, to her throat. Surprise! I guess you weren't expecting to see me, she squealed. Please don't hurt me. Sandra yelped and started crying. Shut up, bitch! Melinda told her as she pressed the dull knife even harder into Sandra's throat. I just want to talk about Amanda. I want you to tell me the truth about Amanda. I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to talk. Sandra kept crying. Melinda had the knife to her neck for the entire ride to the witch's castle, castle as she continued the interrogation. Are you and Amanda going together? No. You're lying to me. I just heard you. No, I was just saying that. Did you go to the Harvest Homecoming with her? No, please, don't hurt me, Melinda. You better tell the truth or I'll slit your throat. I won't talk to Amanda anymore. Are you and Amanda writing each other? Yes. Did you go to the haunted house with Amanda? Yes. Did you and Amanda have sex? Yes. You're a liar! Sandra was hyperventilating. And Amanda knows I'm going to kill you. Amanda said she wants you dead just as much as I do. By then, they had turned the final corner and they were at the foot of the castle. All five girls got out of the car and Melinda took one of Sandra's arms. Lori took the other and they led her to the dungeon. Hope and to Tony followed close behind, using lighters to illuminate the path. Once in the dungeon, Lori pr pr produced a couple of pieces of rope from her pocket and tied Sandra's ankles with Melinda while Melinda tied her wrist. They sat down on the bench. Hope and to Tony kept two lighters going, with which preceded eerie shadows on the fallen stone walls. Melinda began to mock Sandra's look, asking why she wore her hair that way, why she wore the shoes she wore. She hated the attitude Sandra had about her looks. She hated that Sandra had was somehow trying to copy her. Hope held the, held the knife now and was harassing Sandra with it. She made Sandra take off her rings and her Mickey Mouse watch. The, the watch played music and Hope thought it was fun, so she put it on and pressed the button a few times, laughing at the girl. Doesn't she have pretty hair? Hope teased. Yes, Sandra does have pretty hair, and I'm going to cut it off, Melinda said. It was a threat that she had made more than once. Lori pointed to the back of the dark dungeon and told Sandra there, there were bones buried back there. Could be you next, she said with a taunting glance. Tor Tony went back to the car with Lori and returned with a black t-shirt, they, which they tried to set ablaze. It was a black t-shirt with a picture of a yellow smiley face with a bullet in its head. Lori doused it with whiskey and was able to start a small fire. That's what you're going to look like, Lori told her. Sandra couldn't say anything. She was still crying. All of a sudden, about six cars went by at once, and the girls got scared. The castle was pri private property, and they didn't want to get caught up there. Lori was afraid people were going to see the flames. I know a better place where we can go, Lori said. Let's go to this place by my house. Everyone agreed it was time to get out of the witch's castle. And Lori and Melinda untied Sandra, grabbed a hold of her arms, and escorted her back to the car. Hope was driving. Tony was in the passenger seat, and Melissa and Lori, or Melinda and Lori, had Sandra wedged between them in the back. We need gas, 
We're almost out, Hope said. But nobody knew where a gas station was. Sandra told him that she was... She thought there might be an open gas station, Five Star, right near her dad's house. Sandra gave them the directions, and she must have felt safer being close to home, perhaps hoping she could recognize somebody and signal for help. But Lori was one step ahead of her. Just before they pulled in, she covered her with a blanket, and she and Melinda stayed in the car to see that the girl didn't make a move. Hope pumped the gas. She and Tony went in to pay for it, and they ran into a couple of good-looking guys in a blue convertible on their way back. They struck up a conversation with Tony, and Tony joked about them taking her home with them, asking if they were headed towards Madison. The guy said they weren't. Hope was getting nervous, thinking Lori and Melinda might become suspicious about being gone so long. So they cut the conversation short and hightailed it back to the car. After they took off, However, they realized they didn't have their bearings. They didn't know how to get back to Madison. They had to stop at another gas station. At the second station, Tony got out and called a friend of hers, Mike. Someone she had planned to look up in Louisville. Tony talked with him for a couple minutes, just chit-chat. Meanwhile, Hope got directions back to Jeffersonville, and from there, she knew they could find their way. It was about an hour's drive on an isolated country road, 62, and along the way, Lori played strange music, industrial punk rock, and the other girls got spooked because Lori started to act strange. Lori screamed. She cried. She laughed. Her devil laugh. It was so unusual for Lori. So unusual for Lori. All these outbursts, she usually showed hardly any emotion. Melinda clutched the knife, holding it in full view. The tip of it reached Tony's back from the front seat. Sandra was sobbing quietly. I just want to talk to you, Sandra, she said. I'm not going to hurt you. When the girls arrived in Madison, Lori directed Hope to drive down Broad Road, a gravel road that led just past Lori's house. It was a heavily wooded area, sparsely, sparsely uh, populated and lightly traveled. After they drove for a few miles, Lori told Hope to turn down a logging's road. It was actually a dirt, dirt path and barely visible at that, and Hope drove through the brambles and dirt until they reached a clearing, which was used as a gar garbage dump. Everybody got out of the car and walked around for a minute. Tony gave Sandra a hug and said she was sorry. Tell them not to hurt me, she pleaded. Tony turned to Melinda and asked her to take Sandra home. Shut up, Melinda said. Tony was frightened. She and Hope got back in the car. They watched Lori and Melinda take Sandra off, make Sandra take her clothes off. Melinda came running back to the car with items in her hand. I'm going to keep these for souvenirs, Melinda said. She threw the sweatshirt, jeans, and a bra in. Melinda grabbed one of Hope's t-shirts and took it for Sandra to wear. Hope took Sandra's white polka dot bra and put it on. She and Tony turned up both available radios, the jam box and the one on the car dashboard. They didn't want to listen to what was going on outside, but they couldn't help themselves from watching through the windshield. Hit her! Lori commanded, holding Sandra's hands behind her to give Melinda more leverage. Melinda, help me. Please stop. Don't do this to me. Sandra cried. I'll stay away from Amanda, please. Shut the fuck up, Melinda howled. Melinda punched Sandra in the stomach, 
and the little girl went down, holding her stomach, gasping for air. Please stop. I, I have asthma. I can't breathe. With Lori egging her on, Melinda took Sandra's head and slammed it into her knee a couple times. Sandra's mouth beat. Be Sandra's mouth started to bleed profusely. Then Melinda and Lori took one of Sandra's arms, and Melinda tried to cut Sandra's throat. Melinda tried to use her foot to push the knife into Sandra's neck, but the knife was too dull. At that point, Hope jumped out of the car and tried to hold Sandra down. When she got back to the car, Tony asked why she was helping them. Hope didn't say anything. When Tony looked back out the window, Lori was sitting on Sandra's stomach, and Melinda was sitting on her legs. Lori was trying to strangle her, but Sandra was still struggling. Melinda got out the rope and handed it to Lori. She helped Lori put it around Sandra's neck. They each took hold of it and pulled as tightly as they could until Sandra was unconscious. A few minutes went by before Lori came and tapped on the car window and said Sandra was knocked out. She said the keys she need she said she needed the keys to the trunk. Hope handed them to her and Lori asked that the two of them assist, but neither of the girls budged. They watched as Lori and Melinda opened the trunk and dragged Sandra when they put her in there. There was a loud thud. Hope started to cry. I is, is she dead? Yeah! Oh god. Oh god. Hope cried hysterically. She floored the gas pedal, driving fran frantically to get them out of the woods. Along the way, she hit a log or a bump, and it tore the muffler off the car. Ah, shit, Lori yelled. The car engine roared in the background. The girls stopped over at Lori's house. Lori went in the kitchen, got some Pepsi, and brought it to her bedroom for everyone to drink. Lori had a long, dark-colored trench coat, similar to Melinda's. There was some blood spatter on it, and she quickly washed it up in the bathroom. Hope and Tony were laying on the bed. They told Melinda they were tired. They wanted to go to sleep and wake up and find out that this was all just a bad dream. Just about then, Lori's dog started barking outside and it startled the girls. All of a sudden, it was they could hear Sandra's muffled screams from the trunk. I'll take care of it, Lori told them. She raced from the house with a small paring knife in hand, which she had taken from her mother's kitchen. Moments later, Lori reappeared with more blood on her. Sandra's screams had stopped. After Lori washed her hands again, she came back to the room, pulled out a velvet pouch, which contained rune stones, and poured them on the bed. She pulled the book out and began re reading Melinda's Future. Based on the ancient rune magic which dates back to the pagan Viking times, the stones are inscribed with messages, enco encoded with occult meaning. For Lori, the stones were better than tarot cards. Everything's going to be okay, she told Melinda. Lori made a quick phone call, and the others overheard her saying, It doesn't matter what I need it for, I just need it. When she hung up, she, she suggested they all go out country cruising. By then, it was after 2.30 in the morning, and Hope and to Tony weren't interested. They didn't want to go, and Lori didn't push the issue. Lori grabbed her coat, and she and Melinda took off. Their first stop was the garage burn pile next to Lori's house. The girls were arguing about what to do with Sandra, and suddenly they heard kicking and screaming coming from the trunk. Somehow, they quieted her. Lori was getting nervous about her neighbors because she saw the lights on the trailer. She figured they might have heard something, so she left Melinda out there in charge of Sandra and decided to go 
check out the situation. The people there had a working Coke machine on their front per porch, and Lori knocked and asked for a change, change for a dollar, saying she was thirsty. Her neighbor, her neighbor thought Lori looked extremely upset, and he asked her if he, everything was all right. She explained about her muffler being torn off, saying she was going to get in trouble over it. She bought a Coke and left. Minutes later, Lori got into the driver's seat and started off toward Cannon, a nearby town. She suggested they stay up and drive around all night so Sandra could die slowly. She took them on, an, on isolated country roads. Melinda had no idea where they were. Then Sandra started kicking and screaming again, this time clawing at the insides of the trunk. I'll make her quiet, Lori said as she pulled over, taking the trunk's key from the ring, directing Melinda to get into the driver's seat. Melinda was looking at the rearview mirror, watching Lori open the trunk. Then she saw Lori throwing punches, and she heard screaming. There was struggle going on between them, a lot of commotion. Melinda kept her foot on the pedal to drown it out. Suddenly, she heard a thump, and Lori slammed the trunk down, and she came back inside the car. You should have felt it! Lori yelped as she banged a black tire tool down on the dashboard. It was so cool. I went like this, and I could feel her head caving in. Smell it! Lori said as she stuck the tire tool up to Melinda's face. That's sick. I don't want to smell it, Melinda persisted protested. The tool was dripping with blood. Lori said she'd take over driving again, and they drove for a while. They were thinking about burning Sandra. They stopped the car again and both went back to the trunk to assess the situation. As the trunk opened, both girls became startled. Sandra stood right up. Melinda could not could see the whites of Sandra's eyes. They rolled back in her head. She was covered in blood. Her hair wasn't blonde anymore. It was red. Mommy, they heard her say as they closed the lid. After that, Sandra wasn't moaning. She wasn't talking. She was like a zombie. They stopped again and they were going to throw her over the bridge, but before they could get her out of the trunk, they saw headlights approaching. Melinda threw the knife down and Lori quickly slammed the trunk. They continued driving and Sandra started kicking again, but this time they couldn't hear any screaming. All they heard was gurgling. They stopped and opened the trunk, and Sandra said, Melinda. They closed it and kept driving until they heard the banging again. Lori went back to the trunk by herself. When she came back, Melinda asked what happened. You gotta see her. She's soaked with blood. She's red, Lori said. So, uh, that was the first chapter, and, uh... We'll get more into the second chapter uh, sometime next week. And it was very disturbing, but this is a case that I've actually known about for years. And it's just, it's so tragic because one of the girls is actually out because she served a sentence. But we'll get into that later. Hope you enjoyed. Sorry for the interruptions from time to time, but I got cats here that <laughs> like to bug me. Good night, peeps.